Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church. An outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. We're in a series entitled The Ephesus Exhortation. And there are just so many nuggets in this exhortation that Paul gave to the elders at Ephesus. And so I'll pick it up here in verse 17. From Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. Again, like I said, he called for those who had answered the call to follow God, to obey him, to fulfill his purpose and his plan for their life. Isn't that why you're here this morning? Yes, that's, that's why we're here. And so those are the kind of folks God calls to him and speaks things to. He'll tell them things that he doesn't tell folks that are just there to be entertained or to do their duty and just go to church. Well, I went to church. Well, that's great. But uh, coming to church isn't just about coming to church. It's about actually seeing and getting something, getting what God has for us. And so he called those who were called, who had answered the call of God. In verse 18 it says, And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know, from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you. You know the way I lived among you. He was confident in his reputation among the people. What kind of reputation are you building? We went into detail about that, but I just want to add, what are they going to write in your obituary? If you were to die today, what would folks say about you? What would they write in your obituary? Are you confident it's what you want them to write? It's what you want them to say. Because, you know, I've seen people, they talk about, you know, their obituary is full of, man, he just loved football. He just loved football and football, football, football. And then you go to the funeral and one family member after the other gets up and says, boy, he just loved football. He just loved football. He was a real football fan. You know, his favorite team was, and he wouldn't miss a game. And that person sit down, someone else get up and say, oh, man, could he eat pizza? He loved pizza and football. Oh, my goodness. He was a football fanatic. And I just sit there and I think, how sad. All your children, grandchildren, all these people coming up. And all they could talk about when they think of you is your love for carnal, vain, fleshly, empty things. What, a, what an empty Reputation. What an empty reputation. And then folks in their desperation have to come try to make up stuff, you know. He was great. Kind of. When he wasn't frustrated because his team was losing. It's sad. But I've seen way too much of that. Way too much of it. Been to a lot of funerals. Seen too much of that. What are they going to write in your obituary? Paul said, you know, you know 
From the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you. How I lived. Do you know how exactly how I Do the people around you know exactly how you're living? Bible says each one will proclaim his own goodness. A lot of folks have high lofty ideas about themselves. But sometimes you just have to really stop and think about it. And maybe even ask some folks around you. How am I doing? How am I doing? Check up on yourself. A lot of times you can just answer it yourself if you take the time to evaluate. Take the time and evaluate. You've got to evaluate. That's what we were talking about here in the very beginning. You're getting in the Word. Getting in there, checking. Checking on things. Making sure things are lined up. Make sure we're going in the right direction. Make sure we're following His plan. Make sure we're building the right kind of reputation among people. Because how you leave here says a lot about how you enter there. And I want to have a grand entrance into heaven. I mean, that's what it's all about. This life is a vapor. Man, we're thinking beyond this world. We're thinking into eternity. How am I living my life? How do the people around me view me? Stop and think about that. Take some time. How do, the people, how do they really view me? I mean, I think I'm a great guy. But how do... What, are, what do they really think? What will, what will they really say? What kind of legacy am I leaving? That's important because of where you're going. Because where you're going is important. So verse 19, he goes on, he says, serving the Lord. This is his reputation. You know how I lived among you. Serving the Lord with all humility. We all need to, we all need to be pressing for this. Serving the Lord, well, boy, he was just so humble. They say that about you? Boy, he was just so humble. We all know that. We all know he was a humble person. We all know she was humble. Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord with all humility. With many tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. How I kept back nothing that was helpful but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house. Notice he says, I was serving the Lord, but in serving the Lord, what was I doing? I was helping you. I was teaching you. I was mentoring you. That's how I was serving the Lord. You can't just serve the Lord and not affect people. You can't just be serving the Lord in an isolated place somewhere. No, our serving the Lord is us full of good works. Full of good works. Out serving people. Helping people. Teaching people. You don't have to be a school teacher. You don't have to be a pulpiteer and teaching the God's word from the, from the pulpit to teach. To teach others what you have learned. You can pass on truth that you've received from God and have applied to your life to others. You can help others. We need to be busy about educating people in God. Teaching people of God's ways. People are getting inundated with darkness and lies and deception all the time. There's so much confusion out there. Let's just take every opportunity we can to teach somebody something. Show somebody something. Give them some light. Give them some understanding. That's what we're looking to do. And what will people say about you? He was so helpful. So humble. Took the time. Took the time to teach me. Took the time. Went out of his way to show me some things. Man, you made a, you'll make a mark, many marks on people's hearts if you take the time 
and care about them. Care about them enough to teach them the truth. Not just laugh along with their stupidity and just go along with them, but to actually hit the brakes on them. Jerk the slack out of them. Help them. Give them an adjustment. It's amazing how much people actually will appreciate it. Maybe not at first. At first, nobody likes correction. But they will be thankful for you later when they recognize how you helped them, how you rescued them. We need to be full of good works. In fact, hold your place there and over in 1 Timothy, the fifth chapter. And so here in verse 10, he gives the qualifications of who should receive support among widows. And he says this, he says, concerning these widows that are qualified to receive financial assistance from the church, they need to be what? Number one, well reported for good works. In other words, not just tooting their own horn. They're well reported. For, I, mean, I mean, they got such good works, they're well reported for it. People, people report. People talk about them. People brag about them. I, I think of that one young girl that had died in the book of Acts. And they called for Peter to come quickly. And so he was in a nearby town and he came over. And he went up to where they had her body laid out. And she had, she had passed away and, they began, and the people were weeping. And, and they were showing Peter all the good works that this young girl had done. All the things that she had made and done for them while she was alive. See, she had, she had affected these people's lives. She had touched them deeply. She touched the church deeply. So much so that they called for Peter. Peter, when he saw this, he was moved. And he put everybody out of the room and he knelt down by her body. And we don't know exactly what he said to the Lord before raising her from the dead. But as he knelt there, I would imagine he said, Lord, we need a woman like this. We need this woman. Look at all the things that she has done for your church. Look how she's such a help. How much of a support she is. Look at what a blessing she is. Lord, we need this woman. I mean, I'm, I mean we're, we're glad she went to heaven and she's got eternal life. But we'd like to have her here, Lord, a little bit longer on earth. Because look at what she's doing to help your people. I believe he pleaded her case before the Lord. And he had a case. And so he rose up, and he spoke to her body, and he commanded her to rise up. And she sat up, and she was resurrected from the dead. But notice, she had a good testimony, which gave Peter confidence in prayer to be able to raise her from the dead. Hallelujah. Man, we want to have that kind of reputation. Something happens, you know, and we're taken out a little, a little too soon. We want people to go, uh-uh, no way, not this one. Not this one, no devil. This one is too valuable in the name of Jesus. And they demand that one to come back, even though that one is actually in heaven going, oh, this is great, I'm so glad I'm here. And then Jesus walks up and says, Margaret, I'm sorry, you're going to have to go back. I don't, Jesus, I don't want to go. No, Margaret, you're going to have, Jesus, I don't want to. Margaret, will you look? They have a case down there. They have demanded this. You're going to have to go back. <laughs> Hallelujah. I think sometimes people, they, when they probably come back at first, they're like, what in the world are you doing? What are you messing things up for me? 
Don't you know I was just in heaven? Praise God. Well reported for good works. If she has brought up children, if she's lodged strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet. Now, you're kind of pushing it here, Paul. If she has relieved the afflicted, if she has diligently followed every good work. No, it's not saying after she becomes a widow she does this. She's been doing this. He says, now, if she's got this kind of reputation, this is what she's doing, and she's in a financial bind, that's more, that's probably unlikely because a woman that lives like that, God's going to make sure that she's well supplied. And so, uh, but in the event, if she did need some financial assistance, then uh, she qualifies. She qualifies. A lot of folks, they don't even have a prayer life hardly. And they want God, they want the church to pay their rent, pay their bills, meet their needs. Friend, that's not what the church is here for. The church is to teach you to have good works and be so full of faith and so full of God that good things come to you. Money comes to you. And you put yourself in a position where your God is able to supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. It's not something you have to go around begging for. So, you know, let's get there to true riches. And if we get to true riches, then natural riches will be added to us. Isn't that what he said? Praise God. Verse 22 of Acts chapter 20. He goes on and see now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there. Except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city saying that chains and tribulations await me. Notice, the apostle was not afraid of chains and tribulations. In other words, he wasn't afraid of being bound by men. And why was that? Because he was already going bound in the Spirit. He already had seen himself as a slave or a prisoner of the Lord Jesus, that he already, his life was not his own. It did not belong to him. He already belonged to someone else. He already belonged to God. He was already handcuffed to the will of God. You know, people in prison don't just get to do whatever they want to do whenever they want to do it. They don't just, you know, get up in their cell and go, man, I am hungry. And just open up their door, prison door. And just go out there to the cafeteria. Man, I'm hungry. What's in this fridge over here? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Bread and water. No. You know, I just, I'm hungry. Yeah, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go take a shower right now. I feel kind of gross. I'm just going to go take a shower. He just walks in. You don't go wherever you want to do and do whatever. You just, someone else controls you. Someone else tells you, get up, get out, get back in there, sit down, clean that up. Every step of your life is controlled as a prisoner, as a slave. You don't just do whatever you want to do. How many people know you and I don't just do whatever we want to do? We don't just do whatever we want to do. You know, you know what Jesus said to Peter back in the, in the Gospel of John? 
He said to him in John, let's go there, last chapter of John's gospel. Jesus is walking with Peter on the beach. In John chapter 21. And he says this to him in uh, verse 18. Most assuredly I say to you, when you were younger, Peter, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Follow me. So you get good at following me and not going wherever you wish and just doing your will. But you get good at doing my will, following my plan, my purpose for your life. Then when you get to this time and in the flesh, people take you. And bind you. And bring you where you don't want to go. To your execution. You'll be able to go. Gladly. Courageously. Do you see that? See we just, we just live this way. We live this way. We're the Lord's prisoners. We're his slaves. We're not out doing our own will. We're doing his will. So say it with me. Say my life. Belongs to the Lord. Yeah. Say this. Say I already died. Say it's not about you. You're, see, when you got saved, you got to understand something. Jesus didn't come into your life to enhance your life. People think, come to Jesus and he'll enhance your life. No, no, no. Come to Jesus and die. Be buried. And let Jesus rise up in you and live his life through you. See? Died of your will. Paul the Apostle said, I die daily. See, death isn't a big deal to someone that dies daily. If you've been dying every day, death isn't a big deal. Which means you're not afraid of it. And the less you're afraid of it, the less it controls you. Oh, that's good stuff right there. Every bondage in life is the result of the fear of death. That's what the Bible says. All their lives, they were subject to bondage because of one thing, their fear of death. Friend, you've already died. It's no longer you that live. It's no longer I that live. It's Christ that lives in us. It's Christ that's living his life in us now. It's his will being done, not my will. Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. Did he want to go to the cross? Now, he wasn't a victim. They didn't just, man didn't just come in there and take him. No, no, no. He submitted himself to that. Just like Peter here. Peter submitted. You know, if you read Fox's book of martyrs, they say that Peter was, was fleeing the city when, his, when, they, when he knew they were coming to arrest him, to execute him. And of course, there was another time in the actual scriptures where they had arrested, you know, Herod had, had arrested Peter and chained him up and an angel came in there and delivered him. And Got him out of the prison. He went on and continued his ministry. But then now, towards the end of his life, the end of his ministry, Peter's fleeing again. You know, they're coming after him. And Fox's Book of Martyrs records that Jesus appeared to him and said to him, 
I've come to be crucified again. I've come to die again. And Peter knew what the Lord was saying. And he turned back around and went back into the city. And he submitted himself to those who executed him. And they say that they nailed him to a cross just like Jesus. But he said, I'm not worthy to die like my Lord. And so they flipped the cross upside down. And they hung him upside down. But he submitted himself to it. He wasn't a victim. I said he wasn't a victim. You and I are not to be victims of men. No, no, no. That's a curse. That's a curse. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of being victims. He's redeemed us from the curse of the law. But the Lord may call upon us to lay our lives down. And that's no big deal because we lay our lives down every day for the Lord. Right? We lay down the ice cream. We lay down this. We lay down that. We lay down our will. We get down, wash the saints' feet, right? We prefer others. We put others first. Not my will, your will be done. In serving the Lord, we're going to help other people. We're going to be a blessing to other people. That's what we do. That's who we are. We're servants of the Lord. We serve in all humility. We're a blessing. Isn't that right? And so we're just getting better and better at it. We're just following the Lord. Following the Lord. Hallelujah. Being a blessing. And we don't have to fear any of these things. We're just good at these things. So he wasn't afraid of being bound by man. He had already been living a life bound in the spirit, being the Lord's slave, doing the Lord's will. And I tell you, like I said last time, you know, it, doesn't sound, it doesn't sound good being a prisoner. That don't sound good to me. But, but then again, if you're the Lord's prisoner, you're in prison with the Lord. You're chained to him. You're bound to him. And he is fullness of joy. And pleasures forevermore. So you find somebody that's bound to the Lord. You don't find somebody moping around. I'm just carrying my cross for Jesus. Well, you know, I'm serving God in the ministry. Just being a slave. Be washing feet. And sometimes it's nasty, but I do it. It's what I got to do. It's what I got to do. It's my lot in life. It's what I'm called to do. They just walk around kind of miserable about their life, you know. No. We're in his presence. We're bound to glory. Ooh, hallelujah. Bound to glory. Right now, right now, say I'm bound to glory. Yeah, man, if you've slipped out of the handcuffs, go ahead and get back in them and tighten them right now. I mean, get yourself tightened there and connected to the Lord, handcuffed to him. Say, I'm cuffed to Christ. Hallelujah. That's how we are, see? So if some, something happens and our, and our grip gets weak and we let go of his hand, we're still cuffed to him. There's something in us that just keeps us, just keeps us connected to him, just keeps us connected to Jesus. Even when it's what our flesh doesn't want, we just can't help ourselves. We've got to follow God. You know, I've kind of let go of the Lord's hand, but you know, I, something in me just keeps me connected to him to do not my will, but his will. Even in times where it don't feel good to the flesh. But there's such rewards afterwards. Such, such rewards to following the Lord. And uh, sacrificing the flesh. Sometimes, you know, you, you don't sacrifice your flesh. You don't, you don't deal with your flesh the way you need to deal with your flesh. And you give your flesh everything it wants, the more miserable you become. You start hating yourself. You feel cruddy about yourself. You feel dirty. You feel stupid. You feel, that's what happens. You, give your, you let your flesh get what it wants. It got its way, but you're not happy. And then you got somebody over here, man, their flesh never gets its way, and they're just as happy as a pig in the mud, you know, except they're in the glory. 
not in mud, and they're not a pig. Can you say amen? You know what I'm talking about. Thank God for it. Thank God for it. So verse uh, 24. Well, let's go back to verse 23. Except the Holy Spirit testifies. No, verse 20. That's verse 23. Except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. What do we see here? What nuggets can we get out of this? Notice, the Holy Spirit testifies of what awaits me, of the trouble that is up ahead. The Holy Spirit is so good that he lets you know when there's going to be a problem. He lets you know what's coming. Now, you might not mentally know the details, but in your heart, you know. You know. And you can be ready. You can be prepared for it. Jeremiah chapter 6. And in verse 10. It says, to whom shall I speak and give warning? This is God talking. Who, to whom shall I speak and give warning? That they may hear. God wants to warn people of things. Wants to warn them. So they can be, so they can be ready for it. Indeed, their ear is uncircumcised. In other words, they're not living a consecrated life. They let their ears listen to whatever. And they cannot give heed. They can't, they can't focus. They can't pay attention on God, to God. We don't want to be like that. Where we're so fleshy that, you know, we're, we're alive and well and we're active and everything's great until the Word comes. And then it's like we're falling asleep at the Word. We can't give heed. We can't hear it, and then we have a tough time, of course, doing it because it's tough to do what you can't even hear. You're not listening. You're not really listening. You're not really listening. That's not nobody here. Thank God. It's the person, again, eating those donuts, sitting on his couch, live streaming, slouching. It's funny I said that. Well, we just had a, a, a gentleman we've never met before. He, he came actually all the way from Cincinnati to, to be in the service this past Sunday. He's been live streaming. So he's, he says he watches every service. And so he said he, he was sitting there. He said he had a donut in his hand. This is what he just told me last Sunday, right? Who was there with me? It was, Aaron was there. And he said, I had a donut in my hand. And he said, all of a sudden, you just pointed and say, put the donut down. We're having church here, right? <laughs> and he said, young Christian, he said, he's probably watching right now. God bless you. I'm after you again, man. He said, can he see me? <laughs> Someone can. Someone can. See, I think we just think, oh, pastor's being cute, you know, and God, the Holy Spirit's like, no, put the donut down. I mean, God's in the details, folks. You don't want to slumber and sleep and miss a thing. You don't want to fall asleep on what God's saying. Because he's in the details. He's talking to us. He's getting things over to you if you're listening. So he wants you to hear it. He wants you to take heed to what he's saying. Be a good, attentive listener of the word of God. And let's get what he's got for us. But Jeremiah said, man, 
Indeed, their ear is uncircumcised. They cannot give heed. Behold, the word of the Lord is a reproach to them. And they have no delight in it. They don't delight in it. Man, we delight in God's word. God's word isn't a reproach to us. It's not something that annoys us. Man, gets in the way of what we want to do. Right? I wish he wouldn't preach that. It's always getting in the way of what I want to do. Say, it's a reproach to you. No, I delight to do thy will, O God. Man, correct me, fix me, get me on track, straighten me out. Lord Jesus, show me the right way. That's not, I delight in that. I delight in that. I, de- I delight putting the flesh under. I delight dominating my flesh. You need to delight dominating your body and hate seeing your body get its way. We want to control that thing. Because that puts us in control. Even though we're slaves to the Lord, we're actually masters of all. You understand that? The Lord's slave is actually a master of all. That's actually what we are in life. Full of joy, full of strength, full of power. It's a beautiful place to be. A fleshy place? Man, that's a horrible place. I don't want to be in that place. I just don't want to be there. It's a terrible place. Acts chapter 21, Paul, where the Holy Spirit's been testifying. Remember what we said, Acts 20 verse 23, except the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulation await me. Now, every city I go, this is what the Spirit of God is testifying of, of what's going to happen. So let's look at an example of that. He no sooner says that, and then here in chapter 21 and in verse 4, He's in another place, and finding disciples, we stayed there seven days. They told Paul through the Spirit not to go up to Jerusalem. They told him. That's where he's headed. He is headed for Jerusalem. And they told him through the Spirit, don't go up to Jerusalem. So they're getting getting this from the Lord. They're, They're picking up on this. Because they all got the Holy Spirit. The church, man, they recognize it. They understand. God's giving warning to them. He's warning the whole group of them and warning Paul. And they're like, Paul, man, you don't need to be going to Jerusalem. It's not good. It's like bad things are going to happen. You might get killed there, Paul. I, I'm, I'm sensing in my spirit, Paul, they're going to arrest you there. I'm, I'm, I'm just picking up on that. That you're, I mean, they're going to they're gonna beat you and bad things are going to happen, Paul. You don't. You shouldn't be going. Shouldn't be going. So they're 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 in every city. The saints are sensitive to the spirit of God. They're all getting. See, they love Paul. They're 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 aware of of where the danger he's headed to. Obviously, so that they can pray for him. They can get in agreement with him. Pray him. Pray him through the situation. You know, God will give you a heads up about other people, people you care about. He won't just warn you about your life. He'll warn you about people that are an important part of your life. So that you can either warn them, go up to them, exhort them, whatever. Comfort them, pray for them, whatever you got to do. But being sensitive to the Spirit of God. Being sensitive to the Spirit of God. So he's going to the churches. They're all picking up on this. Let me read this from the easy-to-read version. Bible. It says, we found the Lord's followers there and stayed with them for seven days. They warned Paul not to go to Jerusalem because 
of what the Spirit had told them. Notice that. They warned Paul not to go to Jerusalem because of what the Spirit had told them. Well, what did he tell them? The chains and tribulation await him. In fact, we have another case going a little bit further down in Acts 21 and going to verse 10. It says, and as we stayed many days, this is in another place now, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. When he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now when we heard these things, both we and those from that place pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. So thank God for prophets. Thank God God still has prophets in the church today. And we need to hear their voice. And here this prophet, again, Paul's already been told, but you know, he's getting it in his own spirit. He knows this. He's got saints telling him, this is what's going to happen to you. Don't go. He comes here, Agabus comes up and demonstrates what's going to happen to him. And so they all hear this and they're like, Paul, don't go. And a lot of people to this day feel like Paul missed it. He still, even though the Spirit of God was telling him not to go, he still went. And that's why he brought problems on himself. But that's not correct. The truth is, the Spirit of God never told him not to go. The Spirit of God was just warning him of what was coming. Just warning him of what was coming. Wasn't telling him not to go. See, again, going back to verse 4 of the uh, easy-to-read version, it says, they warned Paul not to go to Jerusalem because of what the Spirit had told them. Notice, the Spirit of God said one thing. They said something else. The Spirit of God told him what was going to happen. They told him not to go. They added to God's Word. In other words... God speaking by his spirit to their spirit was muddied by their own emotions, their own soul. Their own soul was like, well, of course you don't go. And they didn't distinguish between their soul, their emotions, their feelings from what the Lord was saying. And a lot of folks have missed God For that very same thing. Because Spirit of God said one thing. They interpreted as another thing. That his warning was telling them not to go. No. Maybe it was just pray for him. Encourage him. Stand by him. No, 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 no. I mean, we never go where we're going to be bound, chained, tortured, imprisoned. We'd never do that. See, that's. That's man's mind. That's man's soul. But thank God the word of God is a divider of soul and spirit. We get in the word of God and we get to know God so well. And we get our own souls 
submitted to God's word that our souls do not get in the way of our spirit. Because we are a spirit, we have a soul, we live in a body. We can't let our soul get in the way and interpret what the spirit is saying. We have to know God well enough through his word. That we can cut right down the middle and say, no, that's your emotions, that's your soul, that's my emotions, that's my soul, this is God. This is the word, this is what I'm building my life on. See, we got, we got a, it's over in Hebrews, the fourth chapter, where he says, the word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the hearts. Thank God for God's word. Saving our souls. So that our souls aren't so fleshy. And so in love with itself that it's all about saving yourself. Save yourself, Paul. Save yourself. Save yourself. That's basically what they're saying. No, God's just saying, you're, this is where you go. And so can God warn you about something without you jumping out of his will and running off to hide yourself? And, and, and be all protective of yourself. See, we got to watch out for that. We want to get our souls submitted to the word of God so that we understand the heart of God and we understand this is what the Spirit is saying and nothing else. Keep your opinions out of prophecy. Keep your opinions out of prophecy. God's saying one thing and then people throw all kinds of stuff on top of it and it turns into something else. That isn't God anymore. But thank God Paul knew the difference. Paul knew the difference, and he answered in verse 13. What do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. So when he would not be persuaded, we see, saying, the will of the Lord be done. They could not persuade. He could not be moved off of what he knew. Think about it. If people kept coming up to you, prophets keep coming up to you and telling you, don't go to Jerusalem. Because you're going to suffer many things. Can you look and say, no, I, I know I'm going to suffer many things, but I'm going to Jerusalem. I know God wants me in Jerusalem. Doesn't matter who says it. You can't be, you can't be sidetracked. Doesn't matter if the greatest prophet of all comes. Somebody comes to you and says something to you. you got, I don't care if an angel appears to you. Isn't that what Paul said over in the book of Galatians? It don't matter if a demon disguised as an angel of light comes to you and begins to tell you something different. You know that you know that you know what is God and what is not. And you can say, get behind me, Satan. Come on. We're talking about living an unmoved, unrattled, fearless life. How do we do it? Getting ourselves rooted and grounded in the word of God. Let that word cut through our soul and separate what's fleshy, what's of our emotions, what's of us, and what's of him. And we could discern the difference between the two. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Well, there's lots more we can say about these things, but praise God, we've reached our limit for today. Praise God. So why don't we just stand on our feet? Let's just thank the Lord this morning. Just give him some praise and thanks. Hallelujah. Praise God. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. 
We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.